Welcome to Humans of Twitter, a podcast where we discover the stories behind the people behind the Twitter accounts. People that are interesting, opinionated, and surprising. I'm your host, Steve Malk, and today I'm speaking with someone who describes themselves as, hey there, cats and kittens, Quim's a singer, ginger, songwriter, and rock cabaret idiot. Humans of Twitter is their stories, in their words, in a little more than 140 characters. Please welcome today's edition to the Humans of Twitter list, Geraldine Quinn. Hello. Hello, Geraldine. If we were to meet in a face-to-face moment, uh, and I said, hello, I'm Steve, and you would say, hello, I'm Geraldine. Hi, Geraldine, what do you do? <laughs> sorry, when you said in your social settings, and because you're talking about Twitter, I went, he means in my social media settings. <laughs> I'm not actually in <laughs> real life. That's why I was so confused. I'm going. This what? is the most but, protracted first question but, yet. But you just read it. You just read it out. Like what? <laughs> um, I think the first thing I do is I tell people that I'm a songwriter, and then I say I'm a singer. And I think I put it in that order because yes. I. Um, I think singing is something that pretty much all humans can do and a very few of them can do very well, but uh, they're not necessarily all writers. And we do tend to we do tend to be put in the, oh, you're just a singer category a lot. So it's like, no, mm. no, I try to be a storyteller. Hopefully I tell them reasonably well or that they're interesting stories, whichever. What draws you to the telling of stories via the little black dots? Is this talking about Twitter now or are you talking about me? Oh, you mean music? Yes. Yeah, the amusing thing about that is I don't do dots. Really? <laughs> no, I don't do dots. I, I, I'm not fluent in dotage. I, I actually am a I, – I play guitar first and so I'm um, semi-fluent in shapes, so chord shapes, um, but I'm – I am a person with a very good ear and very lazy theory. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, I, I'm quite good at finding a good melody, but if you ask me what the relative minor is, I'd go, mm. <laughs> I could probably work it out if I had enough time, but I f- frequently don't bother. Apparently Joni Mitchell um, used to, I'm not comparing myself to Joni Mitchell, by the way, beyond being female and singing and writing songs. But she apparently said something along the lines of, I think there, my brother told me a story about her in the studio and some one of the other musicians asking her what chords she was playing and she didn't know. Wow. She just used her own tunings and... No, no, know, no, that's, that's great. And, and that's a really good insight into... Um, you know, the kinds of things that you're interested in uh, and that style of thing. How do you then communicate with other musicians who are dot readers? Um, It's a little slower sometimes, but it's good in other ways. I've worked with, not worked with, but I've certainly encountered people who are very dot driven and they have their own, um, Yeah. what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, uh, in terms of horse racing, I want to make this very clear, handicaps. Um, yep. So they sometimes find it difficult to feel something if it's not written down and sometimes find it difficult to follow things if it's not written down. And that having a bit mm. of both is ideal. <laughs> and I could be a bit better on the dots, and um, but I'm lucky in that my musicians kind of know what I mean most of the time. 
Yeah. I can't get my head around how some people call G sharp a flat. Why? Why? It's apparently different. How is it apparently different? I don't know. <laughs> I learned G sharp. And so when they are looking at sheet music and they say, oh, it's an A flat, I go, but it's the same. And then somebody told me it's not and I don't understand why because yeah. I just go, but it's a G sharp. What? It'll be something to do with the circle of fifths that we anyway. don't understand, Geraldine. Well, it's not E sharp. E sharp is not F. What? Maybe mm. it is. Oh, my God. We're through the looking glass here, people. Oh. Geraldine, how do you describe your experience of family? It's a big and loud and messy thing. Some people wish they had big families and I just go, I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know. Is messy bad when it comes to families? Can be. Is it bad for you? Can be very much so. Is anybody's family clear cut though? That's very true. Everybody's experience is different. If if everybody's got a bit of mess in their family, then imagine that in a family of, I don't know, mum, dad and two kids and then imagine it in a family of mum, dad and seven kids. The mess is going to be, there's going to be a bit more of a tangled knot there. And then bring in in-laws. Geraldine, what's a source of strength for you? What? What do you find is a source of strength? What encourages you or empowers you or those sorts of things? Oh, my God. What is this philosophy on a Sunday afternoon? Jesus. Um, not Jesus. He's not a source of strength because he's mm. not real. Um, no offence, guys, but that's my opinion, um, not necessarily that of my employers. Oh, wait, I'm unemployed. Uh, self-employed, self-employed. Source of strength. Oh, Jesus wept. I am concerned to say that it's my work and I'm concerned from a Betty Davis kind of point of view in that there's nothing else in my life. So when mm -hmm. I can't hear anymore and I can't get work or no one wants to see me do anything, then I'm not sure if there's enough in my life to make me feel strong if that ever happens. And it's, just, and it's, a, and it's a very precarious form of work. So, you know, one minute you feel like you can do anything and the next minute you're like, oh, I don't know what I can do. <laughs> so... Although it's very great to be able to chuck yourself into stuff when you're in pain and write a song or go and perform somewhere and or whatever else or make something, it's also a bit concerning if that's your main focus, that if it's only going to take it disappearing to make you think you're a bit of a shell of a human. <laughs> How's that for cheerful? When you perform, you obviously... Like you really dig that moment. What does it feel like to be in front of an audience and performing at full tilt? It doesn't, it's not, it's, it's kind of normal now. Um, I first probably got on stage when I was, oh gosh, I was in a choir. I was in a choir and mm -hmm. I was in Wagga Wagga where I was born. It wasn't when I was born. I didn't come out, you know, doing two-part harmonies. Although, um, no, it was mm -hmm. a choir in probably grade three and it was a big choir and yes. we did click go the shears with a whole bunch of movements and everything and that was my first time on stage ever ever and I don't even remember being nervous about that as I always like to sing 
always like to sing. Um, uh, that was because you sing in church all the time. Mm. And, I, and I have a really strong memory of my father. And there's a lot of musicians in the Queen side of the family. There's a, there's a heap of them and like really good ones too. Yeah. And also a lot of my nieces and nephews are very talented musicians. One of them's just gone over to New York on a scholarship as a flute player. Um, anyway, it's I remember being in church and my father looking down at me and kind of going, hey, Geraldine's got a bit of a voice on her. And that's a, that was the first time I thought I might be able to sing. And, I, and then I got into the choir. And I didn't get into the choir because I wanted to do anything. I got into the choir because I wanted to to sing. I didn't have anything beyond. I just want to sing. It's not, I want to be famous at anything. I just wanted to sing, which I suspect is perhaps not as true now as, or as prevalent in in comparison to people who get in because they think they should be well known for nothing in particular. Um, Which is a real shame because I think it's kind of poison singing in a lot of ways because uh, I've got complicated feelings about this because I think everybody can sing. Mm. Um, and I think singing is such a fundamental human expression. Um, and, and I think a lot of people who have nice voices over sing because they think that's what good singing is. Whereas if they did less, they'd sound better and more honest. Mm. So, so anyway, I went to the choir and then, um, I, was a promising singer, according to my very wonderful music teacher, Sally John, who got married and is now, I presume still, Sally McKenzie, is a brilliant singer. Mm. Her dad was a um, clarinet player, played in a Dixieland band. So she introduced me to jazz and did a whole year cool. of just blues and jazz. She was, she gave me my first solo vocal performance and then she put me in the, the small choir, which was uh, closer harmony stuff. Uh, so it, this is still in Wagga? No, no, this was Melbourne. This is high school. Okay. So I moved, I moved yes. to Melbourne when I was still in primary school. And she was amazing. And it was, again, it was just, you're capable. You enjoy this. You're capable. Well, let's make, let's give you something that's harder. And even in, even in those close harmony groups, we were doing a cappella close harmony stuff that she arranged some really nice arrangements. I was often in the middle because I could, because the middle part was harder to hold even though yes. my voice was actually a bit higher than that. It's easier to hit the lower part or the higher part. It's harder to be in the middle somewhere because you're kind of keeping everybody anchored. It's easy to get lost if you're in the middle. You you either drift down or you drift up. So I was still mm-hmm. singing the part that wasn't a natural part for my voice because it was harder to stay there. Um, yes, yeah, so I guess if that kind of makes sense, it sort, it sort of never felt like I was performing, you know. Mm-hmm. It just felt like a thing that you do because you like doing it and somebody goes, you're good at that, and rather than make a fuss about you being good at it, they just kept challenging you a bit more. You spoke about the singing the tight harmony stuff uh, and getting lost in the middle or it's harder to be in the middle. Do you think hmm. that that's a bit it's of like a – my career. Well, I wasn't going to say your career as much as a reflection of your life. <laughs> it totally is. <laughs> Maybe that's the title of my best of show next year. In the middle. Um, <laughs> well, I'm the I'm the middle child of the three youngest kids. Mm. So there's four, then there's a big gap, and then there's three. So my the other ginger in the family is the is the actual middle child. But there's the four big kids and the three little kids, and I was in the middle of the three little kids. 
So I'm talking like a six six year gap between three wow. to, to older ones and the younger ones. So there's a big gap. So we of course got thrown together all the time. Yeah. Um, and my my brother's about a year and a half older than me, and my sister's about a year and a half, maybe eighteen eighteen months, maybe maybe a bit more than a year and a half younger. But we're really similar in age. We were we were um, we were one year apart. It's at school each yes. of us. So if if my little sister was in year nine, I'd be in year 10 and Nicholas would be in year 11. Um, I was trying to not name them and then I just said my brother's name like that. Mm. <laughs> anyway, anyway, um, so I was in the middle of that all growing up and my little sister was very cute and I was ginger. <laughs> she was a very cute baby. Like she got on the front cover of the Wagga Wagga newspaper at one Christmas and she was she was a very cute baby. And she was also the littlest. She was mm. the youngest. So and years later, of course, she had tremendous amounts of resentment for myself and my older brother because we were quite talented and good at and good at school. Not that she wasn't good at school, but we were significantly musically talented. So we were in the talent quests and we okay. were in the musicals all the time. Yep. And I think people came up to her and used to go, Oh, so what do you play? Oh, so can you sing? Which was irritating. Um and I can see that now. But at the time I like she was the baby. And and if anyone had to babysit, of course it was my older brother. Yeah. So I was always in the middle going, What? <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? What's going on? And um, yeah, I, I and, and weirdly now, and, I, and I'm not saying this with any any bitterness at all. I actually think that there's a very dangerous habit that people have, which is particularly kind of hungover from the way that um, Western sort of American culture has bled into the way that we think about this whole idea of positive thinking and that being your outcome and if you aren't where you want to be then it's because it's your fault and you haven't thought positively enough it's not anything to do with circumstances or this that or the other and that's a really dangerous thing in a quite a small arts industry to have that point of view yes so what i think it also does is it belittles the interesting and in some cases really inspired work that people who are on the margins do people who are fringe do and that I think there should be more pride in people who are fringy or independent or or or, or not beholden because as hard as it is representing yourself all the time you do have moments where you go well I can make anything I want now like I don't have to do this or that I can make something completely bonkers that might not work but 10 people will think it's amazing um and then the next thing more people might like, and mm. then I can take another direction. And so you, you do think there's a value in that, that maybe we don't celebrate as much. Do you identify more strongly with that fringe edge? I think so, because it's where I am. I think it's very much, somebody said to me a few years ago, another artist went, you're fringe and that's fine. Like that's okay. Mm. It doesn't matter that you're fringe. And and I'm not a, Australia still loves its kind of boy girl next door stuff. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like I'm not suggesting that there is, but when you've got a bigger industry, you, you've got more room for those weird edges to kind of punch through. In Australia, I think, 
And there's some brilliant people in brilliant positions really making great stuff, but there are often people that have been working at their particular brand, and I don't want to use the word brand, that's so commercial, but their their particular angle, the thing that they do for a long time. I often like to quote, uh, like uh, Simmons always comes into my head with that sort of stuff. Like Sam Simmons is just... Mm -hmm just did the thing that he did and nobody did the thing like the thing that he did. <laughs> and yes. he did it and he did it and he did it and he did it and he did it. And it took and it took a while. And the first Barry nomination he got, oh, was it the first one? It might have been the second one actually. Um, but I remember writing into a very well-known, very beloved comedian on the steps of the town hall who, who went, I'm so glad he got a nomination. That is so good. That is such a good thing. And I knew what he meant was that Australia's not just, I know it's not just voted by the public, but he's got a great following. It means that he's, he's kept doing what he did and found his audience. Yes. And and I know a lot of people that do that. And I, when I get really down about stuff, cause we all do and we don't talk about it. And that's why we've got such a horrific mental health and depression situation in the entertainment industry. Cause <laughs> none of us talk about it. Um, <laughs> So when I do have those down moments, I actually forget that there are people that like what I do, like the possible campaign, the start of the year. Yes, I had, I had, I thought, I thought it would die. I genuinely thought it was going to die, and and it exploded. And and part of it, I was in tears because there were people actually going, sharing it, going, I like what she does, even if she doesn't think anybody likes what she does. So, <laughs> Maybe you could show her that people like what she does. And I'm going, do they? I don't know. <laughs> and it was it was really it was really um it was really great. And it was really great to be able to have that that conversation with people who liked what I did. And I don't want to let them down. If I get a job, I don't want to let anybody down. Sure. I want to do it brilliantly, you know. Um and as long as you walk into stuff going I really want to do this well. Half my stress comes from I don't have time to do this as well as I want to do it. Yeah. You know, but if you really want to do well, then you're a good person to have around, I think. What do you do really well? <laughs> Eat cheese. Yeah. I eat cheese really well. <laughs> cheese is so great. Sorry, vegans. It's really great. <laughs> uh a uh, swim. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't know. I I think. I think. You'd expect me to say sing, but I I still also think that there are elements of the way that I sing that could be better. Um. But I'm I'm honest. I'm I'm very good at being honest. Uh-huh. On and off stage. That sounds like a esoteric way of putting it, but I'm a terrible liar. Um, as is evidenced by anybody who's asked me after a show what I actually thought of it. <laughs> um but that that truth telling is absolutely infused in performance. So if I was, if it was anything, it's probably that. Everything else, I'm okay at, or bad at, or good at. But there's nothing I'd say I was brilliant at. How has that honesty impacted your life? 
It's probably kept me on the fringe. (laughs) (laughs) It probably has, you know. But what do you want to do? Like, what do you actually want to achieve with stuff? Most of it, you know, I think a lot of us just want to do well um, in, in the industry because so that we can do what we want to do, you know, so that it's a little easier to do what we want to do to yes. make the shows that we want to make. Um, very early on when I went, I think this is a thing I'm going to have to have a go at or I'll regret it on my deathbed. Uh-huh. Very early on I said to myself, I just want to be able to make a living. Sure. And many, many, many artists have said that. Many have said that. And it's, we all know, very, very hard. And I have no shame with working. And I'm actually quite an ethical worker. I've done a lot of not-for-profit stuff and um, I would much rather have that as a day job. And I don't mind having a day job at all. Please Mm. give me a day job. I really need (laughs) need to work. But, but, But I've also been lucky enough that probably in the worst couple of years for work, I've had more artwork like uh, and that's just been years and years of trying to build something and and uh so therefore i feel very responsible for the people that have given me those opportunities because i know how fantastic they are and how sought after they are um but yeah what was your question again (laughs) no i i think you've answered was how's honesty transformed what you do it's made it harder for me to play people i don't like being played i'm pretty savvy Mm -hmm. i'm very gullible in a lot of ways but if i think you're trying to play me um i can tell and it will immediately turn me off um, that said, I've behaved terribly many times in my life and have been forgiven, so I do try to remember that as well. Uh, but I've never tried to, to trick anyone. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's probably meant that I've been more frank than I should have been sometimes, but it's also meant that you kind of know where you stand. And you know that I'll – I think people – I hope people know that, you know, I'll be reliable and I'll – if I say I'm going to do it, I'm going to I'm going to do it unless I'm really going to collapse. That's the flip side when you say yes to everything and go, oh, I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> what happened the last time your heart was broken? That's very sweet of you to presume that I have one. Oh, please, Geraldine. I'm just kidding. I was just a flippant one-liner. <laughs> I probably wrote a song. Hmm? I probably wrote a song. Oh, yeah, after getting drunk, of course, but I probably wrote a song. Um, It also depends on what you mean. I mean, there's been – it's quite heartbreaking to get rejected for some things that you've put yourself up for that you really felt like you were absolutely right for it and you've earned your stripes. That can mm. be really heartbreaking because you've gone, this has been years and years and years absolutely. of investment. Yeah. Um, and that makes me, when that happens, that makes me go, right, I'll show you. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll try and think of a scheme or I'll try, or I'll, I'll look at all the schemes that I've had and go, okay, get off your ass and do that one. So I, I try to make it 
I try to make it productive because I know I will tend to just crater otherwise. And there's no one here who's going to drag me out of that crater because everybody else has got their own potholes and pitfalls and everything else. There's, a, there's nobody here that's going to go, come on, Geraldine, get out of that. Um, so I will try to make myself really busy. Uh, I'll usually be like a machine with projects. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but other times, you know, a very good friend of ours passed away. Um, oh, gosh, how long ago was it now? Was it this year? I think it was this year. And we, a lot of us saw each other and we hadn't seen each other since we were in our 20s. And, mm. and just to see each other again, no, but no one's changed. No one, everyone looks exactly the same. Everyone feels like we're in the same place. But it that, yeah, I think that was another experience of, you know, there's so so much that we wanted to do then. Yes. And had the dual effect of making us sort of, me certainly sort of go, well, look at what I did do and how much of it he's been unable to share in and will never be able to now. Um, and then look at all the things you want to do because he died quite young. So it's like, oh, gosh, yeah, I think I should stop finding excuses to not do that thing. And and let's just even if you don't know what the hell you're doing, God knows I started this career having no idea what I was doing. I had no idea. I just I just did what most people do. You register for a festival and go, well, I've got to write it now. Yeah. Uh, and that's the festivals can be good and they can be bad. Like they can be, you can get really festival bound. I use that in a, as a play on fly bound mm. uh, for sheep that have been infested. So <laughs> <laughs> quite purposefully. <laughs> Not purposefully infesting sheep, but I no, use I... the term. I, I have appropriated the term purposefully and because you can get really caught up in it and forget that there's an audience outside of that because you feed the audience only going to festivals. Yeah. But on the other hand, when people do start, I'll tell them that, but I'll also tell them it is a good structure. You make a structure and you've got to do it. Yeah. So it it gives you a template to start something because it's God knows it's as hard as anything just to stand there looking at a blank sheet of paper going, I have to make a thing. What's it like to wrestle with that creative beast? You just gotta start. The hard, starting's the hardest thing in the world. It's the hardest thing in the world. Once a song's on its way, I'll I will just have it on, on my um my unnamed uh, MP3 player and I will just mm. play it over and over again. And if I'm listening to it loads, I know it's working and then I'll start thinking of slightly better line or a slightly better melody and then it'll slowly evolve. But starting it, oh, my God. <sighs> I'm in that now. I've got about three things I want to write. I really want to write. I've, I've, I've had about six months of really wanting to write and I just don't start. And I've got, I've just got to have a day or two where I don't have to do anything else. And I go, that's it. It doesn't matter if it's, Casey Benetto told me this. He said, it doesn't matter if it's the worst song in the history of hearing humanity. You just have to write anything you can. Yeah. Um, so that beat's really not fun. Most writers of any type will tell you it's not fun, but you just got to sit down and do it. What's the hardest truth you've had to deliver? Deliver as opposed to receive? Mm. 
I don't think anyone's taking me that seriously to deliver a truth. Usually I'm hearing them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't think I've done that because there's certainly people I've wanted to sort of slap around the face or grab by the lapels and shake into sense, but I thought (laughs) more people have done that to me and I know how much that hurts. I don't know if I want to do it to somebody else. Um. Yeah, I don't. I can't. I, I I can't think of anything. I I I'm the sort of person who'll wait for you to die before I admit it. To well, okay, I'll tell a lot of people behind your back, and then I might. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm you... from a massive. I'm from a massive family with all mm. sorts of emotional complications. I'm very adept. At, at avoiding that sort of stuff. <laughs> How do you balance that with with this honesty that you then hold? I'm honest, but to the to different people than the ones I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> How has that bit you in the ass, Geraldine? Oh, plenty of times. Actually, the first I'll say the first time it bit me in the ass was uh, high school. Mm. Actually, we had a little group of friends. We were, we were very fringy. Yeah, we were on the outside. We didn't quite fit anywhere else, and I'm I love that sensing a us. theme. Yeah, yeah. Well, one of them is still probably my best friend today, and one of the few people that I see from high school. And one of the other friends actually said to me once, "She just went, I know you think I'm stupid," and I just realised, oh, uh, yeah, because I did, <laughs> and I just went everything I'd said. I was so blatantly obvious about it. And I do it all the time. I still do it. I yeah. still do it. I, st- I'm sh- I'm st- I still can't shut my mouth about people. And I'm sure <laughs> <laughs> Look, any- anyone who's heard anything that's come from me, please rest assured, I think of myself as so much worse than I've ever said about anybody else. I think I'm the scum Aww. of the earth. It's fine. <laughs> I beat myself up more than anyone else on the planet. But the other thing is I, I-, I do also at the same time I do try to – I do find it difficult to completely condemn people. Really difficult. Yeah. I'm constantly trying to find something. I just put the focus on that a little less than the former. <laughs> but but I do I, I think when I was in a little acting group, our class was quite small when I was training as an actor at National Theatre. Mm. And I think the amount of time you spend with a small amount of people where you've got to watch people and your brain does go, I'm not sure you're ever going to do this as a job, like, or if you've even got a chance or this, but you, but you couldn't do that. You couldn't do that for the amount of hours that we were there and stay sane and not be an arrogant asshole as well. So you just started and you're watching people workshop stuff. So you start finding the gold in there. Mm. And when I've, I've taught a couple of people the last couple of months, I've actually got to teach some people. And what's what I've really been proud of in in myself is that I think I like to make things better. I think I'd rather than dismiss someone. Yes. Although that's really fun sometimes. It really is. I think I want to try to find a way to make it better and go, oh, but if you just did that and this, I find that it's much harder for me to go, that person's complete balls, like everything they produce, that is terrible and it's awful. I st- if someone, you can tell someone means well with it, yep. even if the output's really not up to standard at all, if they mean well, that's enough for me to go, ah, oh, I really want this to be good. I really want it to be good. 
If you're arrogant and you're not good, then yeah, God help you. <laughs> then I don't. Then you've given me no reason to feel bad about myself. You've given me no reason to evoke the Catholic guilt. I'll just go, yeah, screw you. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to achieve in the next twelve months? Oh, I don't know. I mean, there's stuff I want to do. Um, i got to start the musical idea that I've got. People will say, you should just write a musical. They've been saying that for years. And it's like, it's really not that easy. For a start, you've got to have a good story. Mm. You've got to have a good story. And if you're doing it on your own and you're trying to create a story, not adapt one, and, yeah, I don't know. But, I, but I, it's one of those things I need to try. Yeah. Um, because there is an idea that's quite good that I sort of came up with with a friend of mine and I don't think he's going to be involved. I don't think he's interested in writing it anymore, but. Um, I need to have a go because I'm too solitary now. I, I haven't written for more than one person on the page for so many years. And I actually did do script writing when I was an undergraduate yeah. and did quite well. But I've just gone, I've forgotten how to write dialogue. Mm. <laughs> it's been monologues for 10 years. <laughs> just write two and mix them together. Uh, I've got to think about the characters and stuff. Yeah, um, I'm working on doing a variety show that I'm trying to make a bit different to most variety shows. Great. That does involve those kind of fringy people who mm-hmm. I like because uh, I don't think cabaret people get much of a chance to showcase themselves outside of comedy venues or music theatre reviews. Mm. Uh, I know there's another show in me, but I'm not sure what it is yet. Um, maybe a best of next year. I was saying that half in jest. I'm thinking it might be time. It's been 10 years. Uh, yeah, uh, and I'm recording the album for the last gig in Melbourne, which was the 2011 show. That should be happening the end of this year. Great. Yeah. God help me again. <laughs> I don't believe in the God, but God help me. Geraldine, thank you so much for sharing what you have with us today. Please know that you are highly valued and the things <laughs> that you know, seriously, don't laugh that off, Quinn. <laughs> You are highly valued and the things that you've shared are very special. Thank you. That's all right. It's sunny and it's a Sunday and it's and I've I haven't had enough sleep. So I'm sorry if I'm all rambly, guys. It's totally excellent. Geraldine, obviously you're on Twitter. What other social accounts do you want to admit to? Uh I'm on I have a Facebook fan page, but I don't like to call people fans, but because <laughs> But because Facebook, I was an early adopter, I got myself caught between a rock and a hard place. So it is forward slash Geraldine Quinn fan page, for which I'm really sorry. Mm. Um, And I am on Instagram, but I've got a weird name that makes people confused. It's got a story behind it, but um, it's Jerixinald. It's G-E-R-R-I-X-I-N-A-L-D. I I forgot how to spell it for a second. (laughs) (laughs) It was my name when I was, we were doing a school, um, we were doing a high school magazine and one friend of mine and I decided that we would be the horoscope um, gurus. (laughs) So we we were Geraldine and Cassandra and we called ourselves uh, Cassandronica and (laughs) Jerixtenold and we just made up horoscopes for people. (laughs) Aquarius, you will walk into a car. Based on the people that we knew in the class, like we actually yes. we, we don't tailor them really cleverly. 
<laughs> it was kind of brilliant. <laughs> and Cass Andronic is now a romance novelist. Wow. And I'm a cabaret singer. There you go. <laughs> it's not too far from the truth. <laughs> so there is a reason. My brother didn't know. He kept saying, what is, what's this Jerixenalt? I was like, oh, just uh, don't worry. Look, if you look me up on Twitter, you can find an Instagram post and you'll find me. There you go. This has been Humans of Twitter, and I can confirm that at Geraldine Quinn is indeed human. Thank you. Barely. Uh, look, human enough. Well, that's a 